0: Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Let me tell you, it's been a powerful morning already. So in the time that I have left, I'm going to bring it and bring it good. Amen? All right. So would you turn in your Bibles over to... The book of Proverbs, well, not book of Proverbs, I'm going to send you over to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we started a series two weeks ago called Vision for Life, okay, I didn't get that phrase from your eye thing, by the way, Uh, but Vision for Life, and you know what, I'm believing that this is going to take us all the way to the end of the year. I feel like, I mean, the word of God is so expansive, you know, you can't dwindle it all down to 30 minutes anyway but so the first week what we decided to talk about was about diligence last week we talked about demonic strategy but what i had on my heart for this week was i wanted to talk about freeing your future look at your neighbors. say free your future free your future galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this it says let me be clear the anointed one has set us free now i'm reading to you out of the passion translation so we're going to get passionate this morning, amen? <clears throat> so let, it, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm free. I'm free. We must always cherish the truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Right, so if there's any way that the enemy is going to try and keep you from your future, he's going to try and get you focused on your past and keep you focused on your past. If you're like me, you've made some mistakes in your past. If you're like me, there's a video screen in your mind that the enemy tries to keep up. Mine's in 4K HD quality too. I can go back and he tries to show me all of the reruns of my life. All of the, you know, Gilligan's Island, by the way, it was never really a popular show, but it was the reruns that made it popular. And so that's, that's the enemy's plan, is maybe that mistake that you made wasn't a big hit back then, but he wants to turn it into a rerun into your life where it just plays over and over. And <clears throat> let me tell you, so there's some things, though, that I learned in this, and I wanted to share this morning that God had put on my heart. There's some things that try to hold your future captive. It's trying to keep you from walking into what God has for you. And so I want to share some of those things with you this morning, okay? One of those is guilt. Now listen to this definition of guilt. Guilt makes you a debtor to the law. It binds you to pay the penalty. Okay, when I was in Hawaii, we were blessed with a trip to get to go to Hawaii. It cost me 39 bucks. How many of you would go to Hawaii? 39 bucks a day? Yeah, that'd be unanimous, all of us. I would go again, and, but I'd rented this Jeep, and we were in Kona, on the island of Kona, which is the big island, not the island of Kona, Kona's in, on the big island, but this is the town we're staying in, so, and so me being a, from the, the central part of the United States, I wake up at 4 a.m. every morning, why, because my time is off, and so Starbucks opens at 5, so I knew I was going to go get in the Jeep and go to Starbucks. So I, I get in the, So it's still dark out. So I go to Starbucks. Well, I had my set way that I would come back. But this time, I decided to go a different way. And again, it's dark. <clears throat> so the way that I chose to come, there's this road that goes down by the ocean. And so I wanted to drive that road so I could look out. Because last night, there was a big, uh, big cruise ship out there in the water. And that was always kind of cool to look at. It's got all the lights and glistens and, you know. It gets romantic, so, <clears throat> which is, you know, you usually need your wife with you, but it's five in the morning, so she's where she needs to be. So I'm driving, and I come down here by this road. Now, during the day in this road, there's parking on the side, and then there's a single lane road. Well, it's two lane normally. You know, it doesn't show that it's parking places, but somebody had decided to put telephone poles in the center of both of these lanes. So that when people are parked during the day, you really don't notice them as much because there's cars there. So, you know, well, at nighttime, in the middle of the night, there's no cars parked. And so I turned, and as I'm turning, I'm looking out across this beautiful ocean only to stop suddenly. And my Starbucks spilled all up on the windshield, and I totaled this car, this Jeep. I didn't total it, but I did $13,500 worth of damage to it and i went oh man well here's the more bummer to add to it is at the time i i drove a company car so i didn't have personal auto insurance i I had full coverage insurance on my rv but i'd put it in storage so i went from full coverage insurance to storage insurance you know in case a ficus fell on it or something you know the kind of insurance i'm talking about you know and so it's it's covered for that but because of that i didn't have full coverage insurance because So guess who got a bill? So guess who paid it off? That would be me. I paid the penalty, right? I was guilty. How many of, don't raise your hand. So we're guilty, right? And it's amazing though how many people are still trying to pay for their sin. Because if God would have come and showed up at Alamo Rental, which is where I bought the, rented the car from. Actually, it was Enterprise. No, it was Alamo, wasn't it? And so if God would have shown up with his checkbook and said, you know what, Phil, I got this. $13,500. How many of you know I would have walked out of there with a big smile on my face? Man, thank you, God. Thank you. Even if somebody else had written the check. Whatever God decided to do, right? <clears throat> and, and eventually I did pay it off. It, well, I didn't have to pay it all out. Glory to God. I got out for nine grand, which is better than thirteen five. But people are trying to do this, though, themselves. They're trying to pay for their sin. Because they feel bad. It's being replayed. In their mind, and all they can think in their mind is the mistake that I made, the mistake that I made. I can't believe I messed up over here. I can't believe I did that. Oh, you know, and you're doing the V8 thing over and over, right? So, well, I guess I made my bed, so I have to lie in it, right? How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? Well, I want to read to you something. Man, I was, lit, I was feeding on Dan Moeller the other day, and I don't know if you've ever heard this guy preach. But <clears throat> I couldn't take notes fast enough. I had to stop every time he made, said a phrase. I had to stop the, the, the thing, stop YouTube and so I could take notes. It was so powerful. Listen to what he said because <coughs> it said it perfectly. As we were worshiping this morning, I just kept getting over and over, adoption, adoption. God is wanting to adopt kids. He's not done adopting. He wants to adopt more. He wants to adopt more. So listen to the statement he said. He said, my whole life, I could totally identify with this. My whole life I was told that Jesus had to die on the cross because I was a sinner. How many of you were told that your whole life like me? I was. Because I was a sinner. And so here's the problem with that is it leaves you a forgiven sinner. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You ever heard somebody say that? Right? Okay. So listen to what he goes on to say here. No one ever told me that he died to restore my purpose, my potential, and my destiny. Man, he died on the cross because he saw the value of what could be if he was inside of me. Man, he didn't die because I was a sinner. He died because I was a lost son. I was a lost daughter of God. Come on. We have we have made it about sin. We have made it about what we've done wrong. God is making it about you're my daughter. You're my son. I want you to come back. Think about this. Think about the prodigal son in Luke 16. The prodigal left, right? We know what he did. He took all of the dad all of dad's money. He went, he partied, he spent all of it. He lost it all. And then he's living under this guilt. He doesn't want to come back to the father. But here's the, here's the the posture of the father. His father, you know what he's doing? He is constantly looking on the horizon. Now I got to be honest. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, or, or especially when we're doing setup, I'm looking on the horizon to see if anybody's coming <laughs> to help us. Now I feel bad because. We'll, because I see Greg back here and you didn't get our text yesterday, so you you came early and then we came and you were already gone. So anyway, I was looking for you on the horizon. So you know, you look on the horizon. So here's this father. He's looking on the horizon. And listen, listen to what it says in verse. I'm gonna read to you we're gonna get more passion translation this morning. All right. Verse twenty, this is in, this is in Luke fifteen. He says this So the young son set I'm sorry, the young son set off for home, so he's coming home. From a long distance away, a long distance away, the father is looking, and he sees him coming, dressed as a beggar, with great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, returning home. The father races out to meet him. He sweeps him up in his arms, hugs him dearly, kisses him over and over in tender love. This is a picture of God our Father. He's not looking at you going like this. Stick your hand out there. You know what? Go and get the love rod. Go to my room. No. He wants to remove, he doesn't want to expose our sin. He wants to remove our sin and expose who he has called you to be, your potential, your purpose, your destiny on the inside of you. So listen, so here's a picture of this, and I I found that, I read this story and it just touched my heart. Listen, listen. During the Korean War, a father was arrested by the communists. He was found to be a Christian, so they ordered him to be shot. But this young communist leader who was carrying it out, the execution, he learned that the father had an orphanage, and he decided to spare his life and instead kill his son. So right before his eyes, he lined up his 19-year-old son and he executed him. Years later, when the war was over, this young communist leader was put on trial to the United Nations. He was found guilty and sentenced to death. Before the sentence could be carried out, this father whose son had been murdered by this young man pleaded the court to spare his life. He argued that he was too young and didn't understand what he was doing. Didn't Jesus say that on the cross? God forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Right? So listen what happened. He told the court, that he would take him as in, as his own and into his own home that he would be responsible for him to make sure that he lived a productive life against all odds the united the united nations granted this unbelievable request the father took the son of his his son's murderer into his house he loved him cared for him that young man gave his life to jesus and ended up being a pastor of a church Wow. Was he guilty? Yeah. Did he deserve a penalty? Yeah. What saved him? What changed everything? The father's love. Now, how could the father forgive this kind of cruelty? Because he had compassion for a lost son. Sorry, I'm pretty fired up because we, we came out of that movie Overcomer last night and I cried buckets. So I encourage you to go see it because I don't want you to cry as much as I did. Yeah. Just don't take Kleenexes, I'm telling you. Just use your wife's arm, you know. Use your own. I'm in the bottom of my gene. Okay. So the first one, the first thing that tries to hinder your future was what? Guilt. What's the second one? Shame. Let's talk a little bit about shame. Shame is reproach or disgrace. Having done something that injures reputation. Causing blush or a reason to hide. You remember what happened to Adam and Eve when they made the biggest mistake of all of us, right? And I'm sure that, you know, we would have made the same mistake they did. I mean, truthfully, honestly. But when they made that decision, what happened? They were covered with shame. Well, they weren't covered at all. They woke up and realized... We're not wearing any clothes. Well, they were before. They were wearing the glory of God. <clears throat> but now, all of a sudden, when what sin does is it, it opens up your eyes to see things that you don't really need to see. And so this shame come on, came on them. And what did they do? They hide. They made clothes for themselves. But what was the first thing they did? They hid from God. So here God comes into the garden, and he's calling out for them. But they're hiding from him. That's what shame causes you to do. It causes you to run from God instead of to God, it causes you to hide because you don't want your sin to be exposed. But again, God's not trying to expose people's sin. He's trying to expose your potential, your sonship, your daughtership. Amen? See, because the cross doesn't expose your sin, again it removes your sin and and it it reveals your value to God. Man, you know what? Should I do that? Okay, I'm going to. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1, or whatever your kind of Bible you're using. 1 Samuel chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 1. Let's read this story. This is an interesting story about a woman named Hannah. It says in verse 1 that there was a certain man named Elkanah. And in verse 2, he had two wives, one named Hannah and another named uh, Peninnah. Peninnah had children. Hannah didn't have no children. And in verse 3, it says that all of them would go up from their city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And in verse 6, it says Peninnah uh, was Hannah's adversary. And it said that he, she provoked her severely because she had no children. Penina had children. And so um, so the husband, um, Elkanah, what he would do is he would give a portion to Penina, and He would give a portion to her children, her sons and daughters. But he would give a double portion to Hannah. Because he loved Hannah. He felt for her because she didn't have any children. It brought disgrace and reproach upon her because she couldn't have children. And so it says in verse 7, year by year, year after year, Penina did this to Hannah. How would you feel? I mean, she just would totally make fun of her. She would totally rip on her. Every time they went up to the house of the Lord, she provoked her. And then, so what would happen is Hannah would begin to cry, and she wouldn't eat, she wouldn't drink. And so here they were, they're about to go into the temple. Finally, her husband talks her into eating a little something, you know, calms her down. And then she goes in to pray. And it says in verse 10 that she had bitterness in her soul, and she prayed to the Lord. She wept in anguish, and then she made a vow, and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me and not forget your maidservant. But will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. <clears throat> and then what happened? The priest said, said, go to your home in peace. And may God grant you the, your, your petition. Well, God did grant her. And I'm here to tell you this morning. That just like God removed the shame that Hannah had. Because she had a first son. And guess what his name was? His name was Samuel. Samuel anointed King David, David king of Israel. God used him mightily on the earth. But God blessed her and he removed her reproach. He removed that shame that she lived with. And I believe in the house that God's removing reproach and shame from you. From your past maybe you feel that maybe you feel that there's a shame that you carry around there's a reproach that you carry around on the inside of you and you're saying God I just want to be free from this I don't want to carry this anymore God wants to remove it from you so let me give you a couple scriptures to encourage you after I take a breath ready Isaiah 54 verse 4 says do not fear for you will not be ashamed neither will you be disgraced And you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth. Man, how many of you claim that? God, I'm forgetting the shame of my youth. Isaiah 61, 7 says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Man, glory to God. Double honor. And then this is one of my favorite, Romans 10, verse 11 says, Whoever believes on him, he will not be put to shame. Man, thank you, Lord. We are forgiven. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to walk around with shame. The last one that tries to hold your future captive is condemnation. Condemnation. Look at what this means. This is a judicial act of declaring one guilty. Have you ever heard? You know, (laughs) you're not supposed to be guilty until proven guilty. The prodigal son, when his father came and embraced him, one thing I noticed about that story, he didn't. He never brought up his past. Never brought it up. He never one time said, you blew all my money. What's the matter with you? He didn't say anything about the sin, about all the things that he did wrong. Why? Because he is thrilled to have his son home. He's thrilled to have his daughter home. Man, this is not the kind of God that sits around and, and is thinking about times that you've missed it. In fact, look at Romans 8, verse 1. You could probably quote it to me. What does it say? Now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, read the rest of it. Come on, you got the rest memorized? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hmm. So there's no condemnation when you're walking according to the Spirit. Now listen to this. I want to read just a couple of things to you. See, the gospel is the, it's supposed to be, it's not supposed to remain a mystery. But it's supposed to be the truth that transforms our life from the inside out. So if you're living like this, if you're living in guilt, shame, and condemnation, then that means you don't have a clear understanding of what Jesus did for you, of the price that he paid for you. Listen to what Mark Twain said. He said, The two most important days of your life is when you were born and then when you find out why. So the cross tells you who you were called to be. So it removed that sin from you, right? So you might as well live for God. You might as well live the kind of life that, I mean, that gives Him the value of what you paid, what He paid for you, right? Now, I want to make a statement and then I'm going to close. Here's my statement Jesus didn't come to liberate your past, He came to liberate your future. The past is gone, it's over. But too many people have those rearview mirrors that extend all the way across the windshield. Have you seen those? I mean, boom, 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 boom. I think it's for moms that have kids. They need to see, you know, what's going on with the kids so they can see the whole backseat. Too many people are like that with their past, man. They are looking, they're spending all their time looking backwards, rehearsing. What could I have done differently? Well, I, I just want to learn from my mistakes. Well, there's a difference in learning and rehearsing. You're not supposed to rehearse your past. You're not called to your past. You can't do anything about your past. God didn't come to liberate your past. He came to liberate your future. And as long as we're holding on to guilt, to shame, to regrets from back here to the condemnation, we won't be able to move forward. We've got to learn how to let stuff go. I heard about this little kid. His name was Sparky. And the reason his name was Sparky was he had, a, he had an uncle and, and he started calling him Sparky because there was a comic strip about a horse where the horse was called Sparkplug. So he started calling him Sparky. Well, <clears throat> Sparky did terrible in school. In fact, in the eighth grade, he failed every subject in the eighth grade. He didn't do much better at sports. I mean, he just basically wasn't good in any of the sports. And he finally made the golf team until they had this huge match, and he lost the match. But it was okay because there was a consolation match. The problem was he lost that one too. I mean, it just seemed like everything he tried to do, he couldn't be successful at it. And so one thing that he liked to do, you know, because he, he was very awkward socially, so he didn't have a lot of friends, but he got into drawing and he really enjoyed drawing. And so he would draw a lot. And so he thought, hey, this is something I enjoy. Maybe I can... Maybe I can contribute to the school yearbook or something. And so he he put this drawing together and he submitted it for the yearbook and they turned him down. Said, yeah. And they didn't want him putting stuff in the newsletter either. Well, then he finally graduated from high school. And when he graduated from high school, by then he decided drawing is what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. And so you know what he did? He contacted Disney Studios. And he said, hey, I'm an artist, I, I have all kinds of drawings that I could do. Maybe I could help you guys. Maybe I could work for you. And they said, okay, put together some of your stuff and send it to us. So he compiled the best stuff that he had ever done and he sent it to Disney and they turned him down. Well, after that, he decided, you know, maybe I could just kind of put together some little stories about my drawings. And, and, he, and he created this character and and he started Creating these stories of his life. Of how the 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 how completely average he was and the underachiever that he had become. And so he started using that for his storyline. And you probably many of you can guess what the comic strip was that he that he drew, Charlie Brown. It was the amazing Charles Schultz. But see, he couldn't have done that if he was harboring guilt shame condemnation about his past because he wasn't he was able to take his past and make it his future use it to make his future but too many people are looking back here and and I and I'm suspecting that today that there's many of you here that are still dealing with stuff back here maybe you're, maybe you're not fully turned around Maybe you're still going forward in the car, but boy, you're glancing at your rearview mirror quite a bit. So much so that sometimes you have to adjust which way you're going because you're, you're too busy looking in the rearview mirror. Man, 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 man. Isaiah forty three eighteen says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I'm telling you, it's time to put the past behind us. <clears throat> you remember... Genesis 19 you remember the angel of the Lord came to a place called Sodom and told Lot he said you guys got to get out of here and he took them by the hand finally had to take them by the hand and drag them out of the city they didn't want to leave Sodom and Gomorrah and pulled them out and got them on their way and he said something important to him. he said don't look back don't look back well they got all the way almost to where they were supposed to be but Lot's wife couldn't help herself she turned around she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt her past stopped her future and that's what's going to happen in our life if we allow our past to be the main thing that we focus on we won't be able to move forward Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, Vision for Life.